check recording. We are about to begin with our uh, message. Uh, children, you are dismissed to your classrooms, but before they make it there, uh, please, let's, please join me as we say a word of prayer for them and to their teachers. Lord, we thank you for the children that you have brought here tonight and with their parents. Lord, I pray that you will speak to them as much as you will speak to us tonight. I pray for blessings for them and their teachers. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please make sure your phones are turned off. Uh, or on vibrate, because uh, if you've been coming here for quite some time, you know the only call that we can take here is Jesus' calling, right? <laughs> Everything else, you have to bring them to voicemail. Uh, if you need a Bible, please raise your hands. Anybody that needs a Bible here? If you have, okay, we'll have uh, Jay on this side. Jay needs a Bible, and Johnny. Anybody else? And if, you're, if you have your Bible app or your Bible, please turn to Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. Surprise, surprise. We're still there. Let's uh, say another prayer for the message tonight. Please join me. Lord, I thank you once again for this privilege, Lord, and opportunity to be used by you to speak to your people. Lord God, about your message, about you willing your ways for us. Father, override my preparations, Lord God, and I, Lord, again, let it just be you and you alone to speak to them. Forgive us, Lord, for all of our sins. Let nothing, Lord God, hinder us from hearing you and obeying you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, tonight, um, I titled our message, Live, quote, unquote, under the influence of, question mark, right? Question mark. Because everybody, we all live according to someone's influence. Or we are all influenced by somebody or something else. Uh, the, the acts of the flesh that we're going to tackle tonight is drunkenness. And the first verse that I want us to review again is Romans 12.2. And I know that the, this is what we uh, started with last week, and we're going to start with it again. Because the biggest hurdle... For us believers, is the renewing of our minds. Because the sinful nature is built in us, and we are a new creation, but it all starts with our thinking. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. As believers, if you have accepted Christ as your Lord, you are called a believer, a believer in Christ Jesus, that He is your Lord and your Savior. 
As believers, we know that everything that our Bible, the inspired Word of God, everything that's in there, all the instructions there for us, are all the opposite of what the world tells us, of what the world shows us. We all know believers, right? And not because it's legal, we can do it, correct? <laughs> I have a couple of amen, I think. I think. <laughs> that said, we will discuss the part of the drunkenness tonight. And my hope that, that the, if you're wondering why are we dissecting every you know, sinful nature one, one at a time, it's because my hope is that if some of us here have uh, been lied to or have been sold to the fact of the, the lies of the world, that you bought into it, we're trying to shed light to it now. Every single one of them. That is our next, the, the next following Sundays, we're going to tackle each and every one of those sinful natures. So that we will know, we will shed light to whomever is being lied to. We're going to show you that they, they are not acceptable in God's eyes. But I, I want to say, before we move on, is that the Bible has nothing against drinking wine. You know, it has nothing to do with drinking wine or beer and alcohol. But it is very clear about drunkenness. It clearly states there in verse 21 of Galatians. You will see it. But I also want you to look at verse 19. And it stated there's sexual immoral immorality, impurity, and debauchery. Debauchery is, is a word that we never use, right? <laughs> I had to research it because I'm, I'm like, oh, what is this debauchery? Who is a debaucherer? <laughs> it's actually, it actually means wild living. Debauchery is wild living, right? So it's something that we never use. But all of this sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery are all done, I believe, from someone who is under the influence of alcohol, somebody who's drunk. They're so much more easier to fall into that, including the sin of orgies. You know, I, I know I tackled last week the sexual immorality part, and I was so happy that I was done with that, but uh, God again wanted me to tackle this one for a minute here. Orgies before, it was done in a place where alcohol flows. It flows. It was usually done or hosted by someone who was prominent, someone who was rich. And then they had all the alcohol, the beer, the wine that they need before they do the you know, that's part of their ceremonies before they do the sexual act. Well, now let me ask you, people in this room, is there a place in Reno and Sparks where alcohol flows and sex is the one that is being promoted? The answer there is yes. And if you're going to say no, you're lying, right? There are a lot of places here in Reno Sparks where the alcohol flows and sex is promoted. One is the club, right, or bars. Those are the places. And, and again, alcohol is included there. Alcohol is there. Because when a person drinks, they are finally what they call, I'm going to let loose tonight. I'm going to get lit. <laughs> I had to research that. I thought lit was a shirt or something. <laughs> now it's, uh, you know, they don't practice any more self-control, no more common sense. Once they're drunk, everything is on the table. So tonight we will see and read scriptures that supports the claim from Paul that drunkenness is not for us to practice. But before we get into that, 
I want us to see how alcohol was used in the Bible in the Old and the New Testament. You know, alcohol before, because before, uh, you know, the, let me just go to my notes. <laughs> Both beer and wine were known in biblical times. Wine was made from pomegranates, dates, honey, and apples, as well as from grapes. The Bible makes it clear that these ferment, fermented beverages were intoxicating. You'll see it in Genesis 9.21, Isaiah 29.9, Jeremiah 25.27. However, alcoholic beverages were not distilled in biblical times. So they were less potent than the modern liquor. Wine had many use in the Bible. It was used as a, it was part of their daily life in Palestine, and in, including Jesus' time. Some of you guys always use that, uh, that verse in Matthew that Jesus was called a drunkard, and you say, see, I'm becoming like Jesus. He was called a drunkard in Matthew. I'm a drunkard, so I'm okay. I'm acceptable. All right, Jesus turned water into wine, so wine should be okay. Wine was a gift from God. It says in Genesis 27 and 28, and also in Psalms 104, 14 to 15. Wine was used at weddings and celebrations. Remember when Jesus turned the water into wine in a wedding. Wine was used in worship. Wine was used in trade and for payment of debts. Wine was used as medicine. The most popular one that you probably all know is when Paul told Timothy to drink wine so that he will help. Because the bacteria before, they didn't know how to filter it. So the choices were this. Drink water and maybe you can get sick. Or drink wine and maybe you can get drunk. So the people usually just say, well, I'll just, I'll just, I guess I'll just get drunk instead of getting sick. But there is nothing, folks, there is nothing in the Old or the New Testament that opposes the moderate use of alcoholic beverages. Before you say amen, let me finish the message, okay? They were a staple of everyday life. On the other hand, there is no commandment in the Bible that we must drink. And many individuals and groups abstained from alcohol. Remember uh, in Numbers, the Nazarites, in Daniel, when Daniel chose not to drink wine, and in Jeremiah and in Luke. But for the sake of drunkenness and alcohol, I want us to see three points in, rela in relation to drunkenness. So the three points are testimony. We have to worry about our testimony. We have to know that we have a limited time. And we need to know that we need to live under the influence of the Spirit, not of any alcohol beverages or anything else. Let's start. I missed that slide, didn't I? This is the first slide. Testimony, Hebrews 12.1. It reads here, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. So whatever it may be, whatever it may be that always catches you to sin, that always makes you to become a bad testimony, we need to let go for the sake of the people that are watching, that are looking in. If you are still denying that, no, there's no people watching me, they could care less what I do. You're wrong. There's Many people that are watching you and trying to see, is this Jesus that he or she professes? Is it true? Is he true? And then a few more verses here. Romans 14, 13. Therefore, let us stop judging one another. Instead, make up your mind. See, folks, we need to make up our mind. It starts here. 
For us to change our ways, it starts here. Because Christ has already changed us within. The change in the Christian happens from within and then going out. But we have to make up our minds. Make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in your brother's way. In 1 Corinthians 8.13, So if what I eat causes another believer to sin, I will never eat meat again as long as I live. For I don't want to cause another believer to stumble. That's Paul. That's the amazing Paul. Living an unselfish life, not thinking about his freedom, but thinking about other people's sake. The Apostle Paul warned us against using the freedom, our freedom, to do whatever, whether to drink or to eat. He warned us not to use this if it's going to cause someone to stumble, to be confused, and to fall. Our friends and our family that still have to surrender to Christ as their Lord, they're watching you. They're closely watching you. I know there are some that are watching you and waiting for you to fail, but there are some that are struggling within. And then let's say, because for the sake of tonight's topic, drunkenness, let's say they're alcoholics, and they know that they're so tired of their lives of just drinking from one weekend to another, and their shallow life is so, it's so repetitive. And they're seeing you that you've changed your ways. And they're really hoping, I hope, that that Jesus that Joe is preaching about, I really hope that that's true. Because I want that life. I want that life that he is now living. So imagine, that should be our, our concern. Other people's salvation. Do you agree? Because Christianity is not about what we eat or what we drink or what we can do or we can't do. Christianity is about living for God. And if we have to focus on the two greatest commandments, love God with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul. And the second is just like it. Love your neighbor as you love yourselves. You see, it's, there's, there's this compassion for the lost. It serves to know for if you choose to live a life of drunkenness, you have to know that you are serving as a stumbling block. You know, I've been, I've been thinking about, because we, we played Balderdash with the youth a couple months ago. Balderdash is where you make up stuff, you know. And one of the, the, the things that I really like is when it hits the acronym. So I've been thinking about, okay, what's a great acronym for FICF? You know, like another meaning for the acronym FICF. Because I know it stands for First International Christian Fellowship, right? Before it was Filipino International Christian Fellowship. So I was thinking, okay, what can we make that, 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 that somehow conveys what I'm trying to, to give tonight? And, and, and it only took me 12 hours, so um, I, hope, I hope it works. So uh, I came up with um, following in crisis footsteps. Huh? You're welcome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh? Huh? <laughs> Got lucky there. I get lucky once every week, and that's it. That was it. That's it for me. But now, how can you say, now how can you say, imagine that's what our church, church's name is, right? And, so, and you're in the bar, and you just ordered six shots of tequila because you need help with your dancing skills, right? <laughs> you're like, I need to learn, I need to dance better, so let me get six shots of tequila. 
And then the bartender goes, hey, you know, so what, you know, you guys do the small chit-chat, right? You remember that? There's always a small chit-chat, so the tip will go up and higher. So you go, oh, yeah, I go to following in Christ's footsteps, fellow, over there by Mill Street. You should come every, you know, we meet at 5.15 on Sunday. Shaking your head, you know? What does that convey? Even though we make our name so spiritual, the prettiest one, you can get a million likes on that name, but your life doesn't reflect the message that you are conveying with your mouth. How is that? You ruin your testimony. Do we agree? There is a testimony. Every believer here, make no mistake about it, if you don't know yet, you serve as Christ's witness, whether you're a good one or a bad one, you are Christ's testimony. So if you're going to say, well, you know, Bible says drinking, uh, drunkenness is, is the problem. It's not drinking, right? So a beer or two wouldn't affect me, right? So let's put that to the test. Let's say that the problem is really getting drunk, right? So... You guys won't have a problem with me, right? <laughs> right? You won't have a problem with me now drinking this beer, right? Mm. Oh, it's been a long time. Oh, yeah. That's it right there. That's apple juice, okay? Some of you are on the way to their exits now. <laughs> what kind of church is this? Our visitor today, oh my gosh, what's, what is going on here? But did you see the effect there? What did you feel? What in the world is Pastor doing? He lost it. I knew he was stressed this week, but I didn't know it was going to come to this. <laughs> I didn't know it was going to come to drinking. There's a witness. If, this were, if it was real beer, there's nothing wrong with that, right? But there is something wrong if the pastor is holding it and drinking it while he's preaching. <laughs> Are we seeing the point now? I didn't get drunk because it's apple juice. But you guys are so judgmental and legalistic. Like, what in the world is a Budweiser have to do with the pulpit in this message? Everything. Everything. The testimony, guys. I see you guys at the club or at your Facebook post holding a drink like this. I'm okay because I know you didn't lose your salvation because I can decipher through it. But another person that you're sharing the gospel to, what do you think is happening? What do you think is going on? Your testimony, you're failing in your testimony. <laughs> That's pretty intense, right? That I asked Brother Nord to put water. <laughs> it's apple, I think it's apple juice. But you guys can have sips if you want to investigate later and then verify it. Go ahead. Because I know some of you guys, I wonder if that's really beer. It is beer. <laughs> the testimony in Romans 14, 19 to 22. Let us then pursue what makes for peace and mutual upbuilding. Shouldn't that be our focus? Shouldn't that be the focus of our testimony to build each other up, to make sure that nobody is falling, to make sure that nobody is compromised, to make sure that we are not compromising ourselves in, for the sake of others. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. God, died. Jesus gave his life on the cross for our sins and, and yours, right? For your sins and mine and the people that he's still trying to save. 
that he will be saving through you. And you are destroying that work by the bad testimony, how you live your life by choosing to have a drink or so. It says here, everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for you to make others fall by what you eat. Can we also say by what you drink? It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or drink Budweiser or do anything that makes your brother or sister stumble. The faith that you have, have as your own conviction before God. Blessed are those who have no reason to condemn themselves because of what they approve. Do you know that if you choose, if I choose to continue to live my drinking ways, I, I even struggled with this bottle. I had to call two brothers and, and trying to find out if they have an empty bottle somewhere because my dad's no longer with me. He usually has a bottle. <laughs> so I, I was out of bottles. So, but the dilemma is if I go to the store and I'll say I want just one bottle, let's say they let me because it always comes in six packs, right? They say they let me. One of you guys walk into that store. <laughs> what do you think is going to happen? Oh, uh, you come in this Sunday, right? Because <laughs> I can explain this. <laughs> right? Imagine that. But it, the, the point of Paul here is, if I choose to exercise my freedom without caring for what, you, what will happen to you guys, then I'm condemning myself for that. If I chose to illustrate this with real bo- real, a real bottle of beer, then I'm stumbling you guys. Our friends and our family who knows and have heard us profess and say our relationship with Christ, whether through real life or online, they are all sincerely watching us. Yes, some are there watching for us to fail and can't wait to call us hypocrites. But some of them are really waiting and hoping. I really hope that this Jesus that Joe has is the person that will help me with the hurt and the pain that only alcohol right now can do. Because after the the, the buzz goes away, their pain comes back. The people that usually fall into drunkenness are trying to forget something. Do we agree? They are usually trying to forget something. They're trying to numb the pain. They're trying to make the, 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 the problem go away even for just a moment. And here you are, they know that you are the only Christian that has come across their lives and have actually professed Jesus. And you told them that, man, you know, Jesus has changed my life. And all of a sudden, they'll see a Facebook post of you with a bottle of beer or six shots of tequila that will help your dancing skills. If you need six shots of tequila for your dancing skills, you have two problems. One, you'll need more than 12 shots. And two, you really can't dance. (laughs) So the question, because this is not, so if, if, this, if this message is about drinking and not drinking, if this faith is about that, Paul already tackled that for us, correct? And we know that already. That this is not, a, this, our faith is not about a list of things to do and not do. But if, if you're like me while sitting there and hearing this message, you're probably asking this question. How much shots or beer can one drink before it's considered getting drunk? Because <laughs> that's how I would think. When I first heard this message, that's what my first discussion with Pastor Jews was. Pastor Jews, didn't Paul said everything is permissible? <laughs> is it trying to justify my drinking life? 
So the, the question is right here. How much shots or beer can one can drink before it's considered getting drunk? You know the answer? At least this is my answer. It's not the amount of alcohol that you have. It's how much of the alcohol has of you. This was my life before. Other than last week's message, this is one of my life. I drank a lot. I, it was really part of, of my life. I, morning, I'm already trying to see my next fix of, of a drink. And sometimes I'm still drinking and I didn't sleep yet. Because it's because I couldn't get drunk. There was a point in my life that I, it was so hard for me to get drunk. But I know a lot of people that I only took one shot for them. And then we had to call 911 because he was allergic. I'm not even kidding. He's still alive. I'm still trying to share Jesus to him. But, but you know, it's, it's, everybody has a different tolerance. So it's not, it's not the BAC level, right? The blood alcohol something. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> the question comes, how many shots or how many beers can I drink? You know, it, it, there's, let me tell you some examples to tell if you're drunk. Okay? Let's just have fun with this for a minute. If you're breaking up with a boyfriend or a girlfriend and then you start drinking, it, first of all, it's probably a wrong idea to drink. And then you're probably drunk when you're starting to text them that you want to get back with them. And you're texting them in Spanish and you can't speak in Spanish. If you're leaving them voicemails, slurring words. If you're tripping on the flat surface, you're probably drunk, right? If you're slurring your words. And if you have a very high bar tab because you bought a drink for everybody in the, in the bar that you don't barely know, you were probably drunk. So, but again, the control of the alcohol of different people is different for everybody. I want to show you the other effect of drunkenness that we all already know. This is from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. This is back in 2017. In every state, it is illegal to drive with a BAC of 0.08 or higher. Yet one person was killed in a drunk driving crash every 48 minutes in the United States in 2017. So right before I finish here, somebody is getting killed because of drunk driving. Is that your idea of having fun and letting loose? However, even a small amount, listen to this, however, even a small amount of alcohol can affect driving ability. In 2017, there was 1,837 people killed in alcohol-related crashes where drivers had lower alcohol levels. They were below the legal limit, but they still got into an accident and they still end up killing people. So drunkenness is not only being shunned by, by the Lord. Right? If, anybody, if everybody would just listen to what the Bible says, we would need all these laws. Our people are, are, are crazy. People don't want to listen. This is, this is a description from them, the National Highway Traffic again. Alcohol, this is from them, this is not from the Bible. Alcohol is a substance that reduces the function of the brain, impairing thinking, reasoning, and muscle, muscle coordination. All these abilities are essential to operating a vehicle, safe, a vehicle safely. Alcohol levels rise in a person's system. 
the negative effects on the central nervous system increases too. Alcohol is absorbed directly through the walls of the stomach and small intestine. Then it passes into the bloodstream where it accumulates until it's metabolized by the liver. The BAC uh, stands for blood alcohol concentration. So these are all illegal in all 50 states and it's also illegal in Puerto Rico. <laughs> but does it stop anybody? No. The, I, 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 somebody that's close to me um, got in trouble with this, and, and um, this person told me that there are people, repeat offenders, three or four times going back to those classes. See, there's, it's, it impairs your thinking, right? For us believers, is that what you want? Do you want to not have your wisdom with you while you're out there in the world? Do you really want to lose your testimony by just holding that bottle just so you will fit in? I fit in? I just want to fit in. You know, I don't want, to, I don't want them feeling awkward. I'm going to hold that bottle of beer. I'm not going to finish it. The testimony is there for us. All of us are witnesses. Next point, limited time. Psalm 90 verse 12. I know I preach a lot about this. This is one of my, my, my go-to verses when I want to give urgency to people because it does give me urgency. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. If you know that your time is limited, don't you, won't you, hopefully, spend it wisely? Yes, the answer is yes. And all of us, we know this when we go on vacation. We all have an itinerary, correct? Because we only have two weeks in the Philippines, two days of those we have to travel, so we only have 12 days. 12 days. So will you actually spend one or those two days to get drunk? You know, if you start drinking the whole day for one day, then the next day is ruined, correct? The hangover. It's not, not the movie, but the, the reality, right? The hangover happens. Do you really want to waste your time? Do you really want to waste your time? Living for our lives, living for the sinful nature is a waste of our time. Knowing that we are only here for a little while. We have a very limited time here on earth. And for some of us, we were saved at an age where we can barely do anything physically. But for many of us who are physically able, we take it to party. And get lit on the weekend. That's what we want to spend our lives with. Right? We want to use our lives partying. And getting hammered. We, 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 we waste our lives. Being drunk causes so many heartaches. Drunkenness causes many heartaches. To innocent lives. See how many people died? Because of a drug driver deciding that, oh, you know, I can still drive. It ruins marriages. It ruins families. I have many friends in the Philippines that have broken families because of a drunk person in the family. And one of the drunk parents. You know, I remember how I was before. Every time I, I tackle these sinful nature, it's just so hard for me because it, it's like looking in the mirror of my past, and that's not easy. 
You know, before I would just look for any excuse to drink. Any occasion is a time to get drunk. Oh, your dog died, let's celebrate. You got a dog, let's celebrate. You know? Oh, you just moved in, you bought a new fridge, let's celebrate. When's your birthday? Tomorrow? Oh, let's celebrate now, and then so we can party two days in a row. It's always like that. Going on vacation trips, the first thing to do, grab a beer, grab a drink. You know, I have a, I have this illustration, this is my illustration. I have a cousin, I have a cousin who is, is also heavy in drinking. So he went to Dubai for New Year's. And in Dubai, you can't, <clears throat> you can't drink all the time. There's a limit. Every, every resident there has a card, apparently, and there's a limit for them, for them to consume alcohol. So guess what my alcoholic cousin did? He contacted all of his friends in Dubai <laughs> to make sure that they meet with him and they all go to this one place and then he'll use their cards. That's what he did for the four days that he was in Dubai. Just get drunk. He, did, he wasted his vacation in Dubai. He didn't even get to travel anywhere. The only traveling he did was to go to the liquor store and back. That was it. That's what drunkenness is. You know, here's a Bible verse for us. Although moderate use of alcohol is approved in the Bible, we'll call it, we'll call it biblical drinking, Drunkenness is strongly opposed in both the Old and the New Testaments. Proverbs 20, verse 1, wine is a mocker, strong drink a brawler, and whoever is intoxicated by it is not wise. Woe to those who rise early in the morning that they may pursue strong drink, who stay up late in the evening that, they, that wine may inflame them. Their banquets are accompanied by lyre and harp, by tambourine, and flute and by wine. Be careful, or, be careful, or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation, drunkenness, and anxieties of life, and the that day will close on you unexpectedly, like a trap. And then Paul says, "Let us behave properly, as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife and jealousy." Right? Did God save us so that we can do whatever we want? The answer is no. Paul said that, right? It's a waste of our life. It's, it's a waste of what Christ has done for us. And we are becoming a stumbling block to people that are watching us. The most expensive commodity is our time. Once we spend it, we can never gain it back. Do we agree? We are all given a set number of days to spend in this earth. And then after that, we will be spending eternity in heaven with our Lord. But right here, right now, we are given the opportunity and the privilege to be a part of God's work. Amen? Let us not waste it in getting drunk, getting hammered on the weekends or every day that you find fitting for your schedule. Third point. Live under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5, 17 and 19 reads, Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. What's the Lord's will? Don't be drunk with wine, 
because that will ruin your life. Drunkenness will ruin your life. If I have been clear, let's just say it again. Drunkenness will ruin your life. Let the Holy Spirit fill and control you. We should be speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. And make music from your heart to the Lord. And in Galatians 5, 16, 18, I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. That's why it's a struggle, right? They can never agree with each other. So make up your mind on which nature you're going to feed and gratify. The Lord, through the Apostle Paul, clearly shows us that drunkenness is not a fruit of the Holy Spirit. It is not the fruit of the new man, but it is of the flesh. He also clearly states that these two can never get beat together. A believer who still practices practices these things is what we call carnal. Remember that study when we did it in Corinthians? That's a carnal believer. A believer that always responds to the calling of the sinful nature is carnal. Because he doesn't know any better. Because he doesn't want to discipline himself. He doesn't want to renew his mind. He doesn't want to be transformed by the Spirit. He doesn't want to be filled with the Spirit. He wants to continue to be numb by the alcohol, by the spirits of the alcohol, not by the Holy Spirit. Right? Paul spelled it out. He spelled it out for us. He did not leave us out to dry. He tells us that we need to walk by the Spirit or be filled by the Spirit. Because the Spirit, you know, we can't produce self-control. The Spirit produces self-control in us. We just need to be filled by the Holy Spirit. The illustration is this. There's in the summer, in, here is a, a pastor used to work in the summer camp when he was in college. And he was always assigned to be the, the sailboat uh, coach. So his instructions with the, the children there is that they just, in order for them to move forward, you know, away from the shore onto the water, is that they need to pull the rope that is holding the sail. So once they pull that rope, the sail will come down and it will enlarge and then the wind will be the one to push them to the water. Right? But for some reason, he said there's always one kid. There's always one kid that forgets the instructions and he has to yell from far away. Let's say his name, name is Timothy. Timothy! Pull the rope! Pull the rope. Let the sail expand and let the wind push you. Pull the rope, Timothy. For us believers, we are neither the boat nor the wind. We are Timothy in that boat. We need to let go of, we need to pull the rope and let the sail of our minds, the sail of our minds be pushed, be moved by the Holy Spirit, be moved to the right direction with the Lord. Because if we will continue to be moved by our fleshly desires, if I will continue to be moved by my fleshly desires, I will continue with my life of drunkenness. I will continue with my life of, of sexual immorality. 
I would go into all these sorts of trouble if I would respond to my sinful nature. But if with, I, with the sail in my mind, the sail of my mind, I need to let it go and let the Holy Spirit move me in the right direction. Move me in the right direction. The wind is not produced by me. The wind is the Holy Spirit. So the question is to us, why are we still not pulling that rope to let go of the sail of our minds and our hearts and our lives? Let the Holy Spirit move you to the right direction where you need to be. And lastly, Galatians 5, 22 to 25. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Right? Isn't that amazing? Is there anything in Reno in the law that I don't know of that you can't be too kind? This guy is too nice. Arrest him. <laughs> There's too much loving happening here. Take them, take them down. Right? No. There, there is nothing like that. With, with the fruits of the Holy Spirit, there is no law against gentleness, against self-control, against kindness, against patience, against love. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. That's the hard thing. That's the difficult part, folks. If we're all going to be honest, we have a hard time crucifying our old nature. Amen? We, are having a, we always have a hard time, especially when it's triggered. Somebody triggered it. Somebody triggered your anger, and you're like, somebody said the wrong thing, and you're just ready to go berserk, right? There's no more love. There's no more patience. But at that moment, we need to be quick to crucify ourselves. I, I, I'm still learning. I, I don't have it. I don't have it from time to time. It just, it just takes the right person to irritate me. It just takes the, the, the right moment for me to look for a patron. No, I'm kidding. I don't like Patron. It's too expensive. <laughs> right? It's, we have to continue. We have to continue to crucify ourselves, our sinful nature, in order for us to be moved by the Spirit. So if you're, if, again, if you are still like me, you're probably still questioning. You're probably asking this question. So what's the answer? Should I drink then? Can I drink? Can I drink one or two? Because that's what the sinful nature says, right? That's what the sinful nature does, always asking. That's what the devil is good at. Surely God didn't say. Surely you won't die. Surely Joe's not saying, don't drink at all. You know what the answer is? There's no one size fits all answer. Maybe. But my question, my answer to you will be in a form of a question, just like how Jesus answers his, the people that questioned him. My question to you is, why will you drink? Why do you need to drink? And then that's up to you. Then you wrestle with that with the Lord. Right? Because this, 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 this faith is not about things to do and not do. Okay, and you're thinking, wow, you know, Christianity is so boring. God doesn't want me to have fun. God is anti-beer, anti-alcohol. 
You know, God's not about anti-alcohol or anti-beer. You know, God is pro-you. He is after your well-being. He is after your protection. He is after your well-being. People that get drunk and then they, they were in the club and they go home with somebody that they don't even know their last name and then they wake up with regrets and they're going to say, I need to get tested because I went farther than what I expected because they have no more self-control, no more common sense. God protects us. God wants to protect us. That's why he tells us, don't get drunk because you will lose all your self-control and you will do stupid things and you will lose your testimony and you people will be stumbled because of you. And then you will wake up with regrets. I still have to f- meet a Christian after drinking and having a big hangover, call me and say, Pastor Joe, I got this biggest hangover, but man, praise God, I got to share the gospel to three people last night at the bar. They accepted Christ. I, I, I still have tears thinking about it. You know, I still have to meet a Christian that says, you know, I drank this whole bottle of Patron, and then, and then, and then I did my, my quiet time. Boy, was it so powerful. It was the most powerful quiet time I've ever had. It, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. I still have to meet a couple who's going through big trouble, and they said, you know, we were having marital problems, and, you know, we discovered drinking, and everything's better after that. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> I've never been so much happier. <laughs> no, I've never met anybody that resorted to drinking and drunkenness that made things better for them, whether in their personal life or their spiritual life. Never. And if they tell me, I will doubt it. I'm just thinking they're probably still drunk. That's the only explanation. Because drinking is never the answer. Correct? Let us be filled. Just like that kid pulled that rope, let the sail of your life open up to the Holy Spirit. And let the Holy Spirit move you in the right direction. Please join me in the word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your message tonight. We thank you for your, your reminder to us, Lord God, that, um, that you love us, that you are pro-us, Lord God, that you are after our own, our well-being. Father, I pray for the brother or sister who has a struggle in drinking. I pray that you help them. If they are sincerely asking for your help, Lord God, I pray that you just give them the power and the strength. And the help that they need, Lord God, in order for them to overcome that struggle. I pray, Lord God, for the people who are dealing with such people. With, with, with uh, drinking problems and just causing havoc at their home. And with their relationship, Father God. I pray for encouragement and strength for them. I pray that you help them, Lord God. And just bring them to a place, Lord God, that guaranteeing them that you are with them. Forgive us, Lord, for the times that we have given to our rights and not caring about what other people are seeing and that people will stumble because of our decision to exercise our freedom. Forgive us, Father God. Help us, Lord, to glorify with our lives, not just what we profess, but how we actually live, Lord God. Help us live lives that are glorifying to you. We thank you, Father. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all rise for the closing hymn. If you have any decisions you want to make this evening, if you want to accept Christ as your Lord, please come up so we can pray for you and lead you into that prayer. If you need prayers, please, please come up so we can pray for you. Or if God has been leading you to be a part of this church, please come up so we can recognize you.
Check. Okay. So uh, we do have the, our pot blessed tonight, our fellowship meal. So please stay. I know it's snowing outside, but you might as well be be full because you might get stuck in an hour in, in traffic. I'm kidding. <laughs> We're praying for your protection. Please invite your family and friends for um, the Resurrection Sunday on April 21. Uh, please, so we're giving you enough uh, time to pray and, and gather up your confidence and have a list of people to invite. Family Day is on the sun, Saturday before that, April 13, from 2.30 to 8.30. Please see the church media team for any details. Uh, and then we're going to start our Bible study. The people that have signed up for uh, the Bible study at, at my house, at our house, that's going to be this coming Friday, February 22. Uh, we've already ordered the books, so if you didn't sign up, um, we're going to have to get you a book real fast because we're going to start this Friday. Uh, Deacon Orley and Deacon Nori will be having theirs on March 1 at 7 p.m. And that's it. I think the next week we will have our um, uh, business meeting for the members. So members, please be here. Um, thank you very much for coming. Thank you for braving the storm this Sunday and last Sunday. I know God will be the one to bless you and uh, move in your lives. Thank you, and um, let's go eat. Thank you.